Hey everybody, welcome to Multi Multi, the podcast where we talk about the multitude of multi-site student ministry. My name is Joe Crabb and I am joined as always by one of our faithful co-hosts, Mrs. Kimberly Schuler. Hello. And of course, on the ones and twos making us sound better than I look is Mr. Trevor Callis. Trev, looking great today. And we are excited about today's episode uh, because of the guest that we have on today, uh, Mr. Greg Ligon from Leadership Network. Hey, Greg, how are you doing, brother? I'm doing great. Thanks for the opportunity to be with you guys today. Really excited about the work that you're doing. Amen. Amen. And we're very grateful for the work that you're doing. Our church, Woodside Bible, has a long history uh, with you and with Leadership Network. And I'd love for you to share a bit about Leadership Network and the work that you do with them. Sure, you bet. Uh, well, as you said, my name is Greg Ligon. I, my title is Chief Innovation Officer, uh, which is actually a new title. And I'm really excited about it because it's going to uh, get me in the place where I'm able to kind of better engage and more fully engage with clients and with new product offerings and new gatherings and new relationships and new partnerships. And so it's really kind of moving me back into my sweet spot. So I'm real excited about that. Um, Leadership Network has been around for almost 40 years. I've been with the organization uh, half of that, half of that time and I've pretty much sat in every seat um, on the bus um, and but most of my time has actually been spent, particularly the last 15 years, uh, focused on multi-site and had the privilege of being a part of convening the very first group of multi-site churches uh, back when not a whole lot of people even knew what multi-site was all about. And yeah. so I um, had a, the privilege of ha- kind of having a first or a front row seat at seeing what uh, God has done through the movement over the last 15 years or so. That's great. Greg, now this is a little side question for you. Um, Is it multi-site or multi-site? I think it's something that we've all been curious about. (laughs) Uh, Well, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's my accent. I've always said multi-site. And kind of the funny thing that um, Warren Bird were on the call. Warren has been our research director and um, in years past, and he's been very involved in a lot of the writing that's happened around multi-site. And so early on, it was very important for us, for him in particular, to establish whether there was a hyphen in multi-site or not. And so we've another question. There is not a hyphen. It's all one word. Multi-site. Really? You'll see it in different ways, but you know, the definitive source is Warren Bird. And (laughs) actually it's kind of funny. There's there have been uh, several social media squirmishes um, about that, um, about whether it's with a hyphen or without a hyphen. But we say multi-site, all one word, no hyphen. I I love that, and I and I love that about our I guess our our somewhat church culture organization yes. culture there that I can definitely see some of those skirmishes breaking out <laughs> in good fun about uh, about that. That's that's so great, uh, Greg. I know that you know one of the reasons why we started this podcast uh, was because we didn't see much out there in regard to. Uh, the landscape of multi-site churches when it came to specifically student ministries. Uh, multi-site church is just, there's so many different nuances and logistics and um, some some tensions and different difficulties to work through, but as well as some awesome opportunities uh, to, to work through. Um, what has been one of the things that has really just stuck out to you or that you've seen maybe happening very well in regards to multi-site ministry or maybe even specifically multi-site student 
student ministry um, in recent years or through these last 15 years as you've been a part of Leadership Network in that way? Yeah, so the student ministry area is an interesting space, as you guys know, because you've spent a lot of time uh, in your own ministries uh, working in that space. Uh, but with reference to multi-site, you know, there's some kind of unique aspects of it. Um, you know, student ministry is so much focused on the community and the relationship building side of, you know, working with students that it, it is, um, it has been a unique challenge in terms of the multi-site movement, in terms of staffing and structuring. I think I've seen this pendulum kind of swing back and forth. I mean, early on in the movement. Um, we saw most churches that were multi-site had kept their student ministry pretty centralized because okay. um, they were having, they felt like that was important in terms of having, you know, a quorum of people kind of having that uh, critical mass so that you really have that sense of, hey, this is a place to be um, kind of scenario. Uh, then we've kind of gone through a period as, as the multi-site movement grew and as churches grew and had more and more campuses, that became less feasible uh, to do in terms of having everybody gather, particularly if you were moving, you were establishing campuses that were outside, you know, the bounds of a city or a certain zip code or whatever. Yeah, so you began sense. to see more and more um, kind of decentralized kind of ministries. Um, it's interesting. Uh, we just completed a survey um, back earlier in the summer, and one of the things we asked about was student ministry in particular. And it's interesting, we, it, at least according to the research that we did, it appears that the pendulum may be swinging back a little bit more toward a more centralized approach. Um, in 2014, the last time we did our study, um, 73% of the churches that participated indicated that they had student ministries on each of their campus, or, or at least it was poor, um, significantly decentralized. Uh, when we did the study this uh, earlier this summer, that number had decreased from 73% to 41%. Wow. And so interesting to see. I'm not sure exactly what all that means yet, um, but it does feel like that that's one of these things that there is some kind of movement back and forth. I know one of the things that you guys, uh, when you invited me to come uh, to be a part of the multi-multi-summit, uh, the meeting of, of multi-site student ministry people back earlier in the year, one of the things that I was exposed to uh, was the work of Refuge Youth yes. Network. Um, yes. And they would be a pretty good example of a, uh, an, another way of thinking about student ministry uh, that I think may be a part um, of the future, at least in some scenarios. Uh, Refuge uh, Youth Network is a, actually they're established themselves now as a nonprofit organization, but they basically serve in a geographical area, multiple churches in terms of student ministry. So it's more of a centralized approach, but being executed um, through various campuses and even in various denominational kind of affiliations. So I think there'll be some interesting things to see uh, that come down the pike with reference to that kind of more centralized model. I think the other thing too is, um, with student ministries, going back to the beginning, when I said the fact that a lot of these, um, a lot of student ministry is uh, really dependent on or relies a lot on the whole relational side of things. Yeah. One of the other things I've seen some churches begin to do is establish their student ministry, not necessarily related to a particular campus, but related to a particular geographic area. And so it may be that if a church has 15 campuses, they may not have 15 student ministries. They may have five, and, uh, and those student ministries relate to three, three of the campuses each. 
based on kind of where they're located. Oftentimes that's around high school, you know, kind of yeah. where that community is around the high school. So those are some of the kinds of things I'm seeing in terms of what's happening with student ministry um, in the movement. Yeah, I love that, the hear that innovation. I think that's one of the things that uh, has been a, a, a marker of multi-site churches, and it could just be because of the way that it's structured and the, the growth and the logistics and so on that it brings about, is that um, there's a lot of creativity from Refuge Youth Network, where we, we had the privilege of having Micah on the, the show and loved hearing him at multi, uh, a multi-summit, and then as well as just on the episode there. If you're listening to this, I'd encourage you to check it back out. It's a very unique way of doing ministry, and uh, it's been very effective. And I think that you really see what is the heart of a lot of multi-site churches is how do you stay true to that core mission and value of making disciples and, and sharing the gospel uh, and getting kids connected to a Christ-centered community to the church to continue to grow while being being able to creatively contextualize that. Um, right. Yeah. So. I think the other thing um, that will impact student ministry, um, again, this comes out of our most recent research, but, you know, the number of churches that are, I mean, there's been a drastic increase in the percentage of churches that are multi-site that are considering uh, the using online, uh, adding online campuses. I'm just grabbing the number here quickly for you. So um, in 2014, churches reporting online campuses was just under half at 47%. Um, and that was up, um, I'm sorry, hang on just a second, I got it backwards. Churches, re- in our current report, churches reporting online campuses was just under 47%, and this was up 28% from 28% in the report five years ago. Oh, wow. And the fact that when we did the report five years ago, the survey indicated that 62% said they didn't plan to launch one. So there's there's been this kind of a, a move, I think, uh, in terms of the perspective of online. That's not just related to multi-site. I think that's just related to the digital reality that we're living in and the, the tools that continue to get developed and the ability to be able to provide more excellent access and, and, and as churches are beginning to experiment and innovate with how can we effectively use online, I think that will begin to impact some things we see in student ministry as well. Absolutely. Greg, as you spoke to uh, just multi-site students, right? Um, We are just one of the ministries at the churches, right? And we have a you know, many churches around the nation that listen in. And um, I actually just had the opportunity to just uh, meet with the Bay Area uh, church out in uh, Maryland for a little bit. And in my discussions with them, a lot of it was they're, they're moving forward with multi-site, right? They know the church is moving that way. And as a student ministry, you know, they're feeling um, and they're talking about what's next. Um, they're talking about structure and organization. And even, you know, here at Woodside and even probably other churches, having those conversations about multi-site students, um, but maybe not feeling like the church is as a whole or as all the ministries across the platform are moving in that direction or leadership maybe on a different page or they're on the same page, but still how to move that ball forward. 
How have you seen the relationship with upper leadership in ministries holistically um, moving towards a multi-site realm or even in a multi-site world um, work well? And what have been some of the misses as well um, in those times? Um, just talking about the upper leadership as well as the ministry relationship and how that works well dynamically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's a great question, and um, I think one that is um, not isolated to multi-site churches, oh, <laughs> but sure. certainly, is, but yeah. certainly is, is complicated um, or has additional layers of challenge when you're at a multi-site church. That's We're good. only that's blowing it up, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> We're right. So, I think part of that has to do with, um, <clears throat> you know, it's one thing, it's all about, it's about structure and it's about, communi- about communication. And so I think the places where I've seen student ministry most effectively um, executed in multi-site churches is their structure allows for there to be, for student ministry to have a voice at the table in terms of uh, how the strategy overall for for multi-site is going to be executed, right? And so it's not just a decision about what uh, we're going to be doing on worship on the weekends, but it becomes then it's a, a conversation about how everything is going to be impacted uh, when we talk about multi-site. So early on, you know, churches added campuses really more out of a reaction, right? So they were yeah. out of space. They were you know, had some kind of growth challenge, whatever. So they were. it was more of a reactive strategy. And then whenever it began to work, um, and they begin to see, then they begin to see more opportunities and move more from being reactive to proactive kind of strategy. And as a part of that, uh, one of the things that, um, one of the things that's happened is, so early on, uh, the, um, campuses were at a primarily at a reaction, right? So the church was out of space or, uh, the, the, um, Zoning didn't allow them to have enough parking. What are the issues were? So they did this really out of um, out of a reaction. Over time, as it began to work, they really began to say, "Hey, this we can be strategic about this. We can be more proactive about this." And then, as the movement began to grow and the churches began to add more and more campuses, one of the things that we began to hear was churches began to speak of themselves no longer as a church with campuses, but a church of campuses. It was not dissimilar to what we heard back in the 80s around small groups and churches began to talk about moving from being a church with small groups to being a church of groups. Um, And so I think as churches begin to have that mindset shift to say, hey, we aren't just a collection of campuses, um, that's who we are. You know, we are a multi-site church. And so when that begins to happen, that begins to force a, a different kind of dialogue around every conversation. So you can no longer have a conversation about what you're going to do in men's ministry, or in this case, in terms of student ministry, without saying, what are the implications for across the system, across our entire church? Can we do this if we add these five new campuses? Can we do what we're doing in student ministry in those five new campuses? Should we do what we're doing? <laughs> and oftentimes uh, that that should, in, in the best scenarios, those kinds of questions help make some really, uh, lead to some really good answers in terms of in many cases, even whether to launch a new campus. Yeah. Uh, because if what you're trying, trying to do, it's a part of your DNA with reference to what you're doing with students, can't be replicated um, or can't be, um, doesn't necessarily have to be one-on-one replicated, but if it can't be executed in a manner that's true to the value of around student ministry, 
that could make a should make a be a part of the decision making process of whether even a new campus is launched there. Um, so I think that's one of the key factors is you know getting the churches at a place where they're really seeing themselves as a uh, as a church of multiple campuses, and it really impacts those decisions throughout. I think the other thing that that kind of relates to that, and um, it relates in other areas of ministry as well, but also with student ministry is, you know, how do you navigate the line of what is centralized and what is decentralized in terms of ministry? Um, you know, I can, I can only imagine in, at Woodside, you know, your campuses are in a very diverse areas of the Detroit um, metropolitan area. And so you, you're dealing with different kinds of needs, different kinds of kids, different kinds of issues. And so how do we really, you know, shape a ministry that allows for that you know, to happen? Um, it's been one of the most difficult questions, you know, to answer and oftentimes hasn't been navigated very well. It tends to be seen from a campus pastor, from a central uh, point of view, a campus pastor or a student ministry pastor, when they kind of raise these issues and concerns, oftentimes it's seen as, you know, non-compliance, you know, to what we're doing as opposed to really identifying. Yeah, some vigilantism where right? they're not getting be, it. Yeah. It needs to be uh, addressed. One of the things I think that's going to help to address that, um, and one of the things we're doing a lot of work in with Leadership Network, is this whole idea of big data and being able to understand more as you engage with data and being able to understand more clearly who your people are and who your community is. Um, it gives you the ability to not only from a from a gut level perspective as a student ministry person in your area to be able to say, hey, I think we need to provide this particular unique ministry because of the kids that are that we're attracting or that are in the community that we're trying to reach. It will also begin to give you some data to yeah. be able to support that. More clearly contextualizing it as opposed to like hypothetical of, well, we get this type of kid or whatever. It, it allows more informed decisions, which... Exactly. Yeah. And then the other thing that data does too is it gives you the ability not only to support what you feel, what you're feeling in your gut that you need, but it also gives you the ability to help work with your communications team to really be able to shape communications that target, you know, not just students, but students in this particular geographic area or this particular ministry situation. Um, and so I think that we're on the front end of the churches, I think is on the front end of really being able to understand how to best execute that. But I think as that becomes more and more available and usable, um, I think that's really going to impact a lot of what happens across the board in ministry on campuses, but in particular with student ministry as well. Yeah, Greg, the, the research and what your team at Leadership Network Network is doing is being such a resource. Re, oh my goodness, I cannot we talk. Can, we can edit that out. Yes, for you we can. <laughs> <laughs> Go for Let it. me start again. Greg, what you and your team at Leadership Network is doing uh, for churches across America and how, and I would even say the world at that, and how you're resourcing the uh, research that you guys are doing is only. Uh, Give, being a catalyst to the ministry that is taking place in our context. So thank you so much for that. Um, and as you've worked with many churches um, and the leadership there, you've probably been able to just see some maybe healthy rhythms of leadership, um, but also some unhealthy rhythm, rhythms of leadership or even uh, different qualities and characters. But I want to especially uh, land on the rhythms of leadership and would love to have some just insight or maybe 
as you've worked with them. takeaways or anything. Yeah, just what have been some of those healthy rhythms of leadership that you've seen as you've met with some high-quality, high-capacity leaders across the nation? Yes, I, I actually do some, some executive coaching as well with campus pastors and senior pastors and nonprofit organizations, that kind of stuff. I have a handful of people I'm coaching all the time. And one of the things that I think is really important in terms of the rhythm of leadership is to really understand that it is a rhythm um, and it's not, um, it's not as balanced as we might wish that it were. Um, one of the things that um, one of the books I refer to often is by Bruce Miller. Um, and there, he actually has two books that deal with this. One is your life in rhythm. The other is your church in rhythm and similar kind of concepts. But basically his premise is, is that, you know, although you know, business experts and culture tells us that we should live a balanced life, there's really no biblical support for that, that Jesus didn't really live a balanced life. You know, he went all out had heavy seasons of ministry, and then he did retreat up into the mountains to pray. But it was a rhythm. You know, it was not a, you know, I'm I'm dividing my life into four four areas and I'm going to do mental, physical, social, whatever those things are. It was more of this rhythm, and the rhythms change based on uh, cycles. So, like, in the in the church world, you know, what's happening in the summer for so the rhythm for you guys in student ministry you have a heavier load in the summer probably than you do during the year, right? And so that rhythm of leadership looks a little bit different um, with in the context of that. Uh, and then the other thing is to plan for that. So going back to in a large church situation or any church situation, uh, Bruce talks a lot about um, his role as a senior pastor um, with reference to this. And one of the things he talks about is the fact that in one of the big the seasonal things for him in a growing church is being in a capital campaign. And so he knows that when he kicks into a capital campaign, it's like 90 days. He's not going to see his family. That's a little bit of extreme, but not necessarily. And so, but he has, he knows that that's a season, right? And so he prepares for that with his family and says, Hey, you know, the next 90 days, it's going to be crazy. He not only just says, Hey, it's going to be crazy, but they also then plan together as a family. Okay. At the end of this, what are we going to do to regroup? That's we're going to take you know a week off and we're going to go on a cruise or we're going to go do something together. So they're they're planning for these kind of seasons and cycles. So I think those both of those books are great resources in terms of helping people to think through the rhythms they have in life. It's different ages and stages, you know. So one of the other things he says, I've heard him say, is um, when he's he spoke to their mops group, you know, one time at um, at their church, and he said, you know, a lot of you are here and you're here in Bible study, and he said, you're feeling like you have to be here. And he said, perhaps one of the most spiritual things you could do is stay at home. Wow. He said, because you're in a wow. season where you're trying to raise kids, and and you don't need to feel guilty for having to feel like you have to be here, you know, in this Bible study. There will be a season for that. Right now, your primary, because of the season, your primary thing is to you know, nurture that kid. And you know, so, so there's, there's just, I think, some interesting things that would be helpful for people as they think through the rhythms of leadership. And I think the other thing, too, that's really important in terms of great leadership um, has to do with clarity mm. um, and clarity in terms of expectations, clarity in terms of responsibilities and the authority associated with um, with those responsibilities. Kim so and that's I are fully on board with that one for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. It's so good. Yeah. yeah. So, you know. 
this is a little bit like the cobbler has no, you know, cobbler's children have no shoes because we oftentimes don't do a very good job of that at leadership network. Uh, but we're always trying to move. Preach it to the choir. <laughs> yeah. So we're always trying to move toward that. And we're, of course, we, we're right now we're in a season and we have a new CEO who's been with us about a year. And so we're the, in the season of transition. So some of that clarity and responsibility and authority, you know, continues to get shaped and moved and, and, which is okay. As long as you continue to have the conversations, that's great. Absolutely. But that's really, really important. I think um, it's, it's hard to be able to effectively lead if you don't have those things in place. Yeah. And I think what it does from both having clarity around, you know, what the vision, the goals, the expectations might be, but even clarity as to what uh, is meant by a rhythm or by rest really just sets the proper expectation and it helps to alleviate frustration, tension, confusion. I think oftentimes what I find, especially in the the church, you have a lot of great people who are passionate and hardworking, and it's because of the calling that they have and the 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 love that they have for the Lord and desire to see lives changed that they're not unwilling to go into those ninety day seasons for the most part, you know those long seasons of it, but to have a clarity and understand the why, and to also know that hey, at the end of this season, that will provide a rhythm of rest. But once that clarity is determined and and shared, um, and not just assumed that really just helps with traction and again, alleviating all unnecessary tension and frustration or helping quite a bit with it. And so, um, yeah, there's some great tools that are out there. Um, we've used, you know, we've kind of implemented some of our own leadership network, but they're really kind of a combination of a couple. There's a book called the 12 week year. Okay. Um, it's a great, it's really about kind of looking 90 days at a time and, and really focusing in on those kind of things. And then, the other book that we've uh, used quite a bit is a book called Traction. Okay. Um, and Traction, um, it's a business book, uh, but it talks about kind of their framework is what they call an entrepreneurial operating system. But same kind of thing. It, it really establishes very clear kind of uh, 12-month targets, 24-month targets, but then it brings it back down into these 90-day, um, what they call big chunks. Uh, but these are the things that are, are not, not big chunks, big rocks. Uh, so you've got 90 day kind of priorities that you're working on. And that, that just that process and that clarity is really, really helpful. So both are, those are both really great tools. Doesn't really matter what the tool is. Um, the important thing is that you have something and you have conversations and you have some kind of a process yeah. in documentation that really helps you to get that kind of clarity. No, I think that's so great, Greg. I appreciate you sharing those resources. And one of the things I was so encouraged by and appreciated during our time at Multi-Summit was that after we had individuals speak, uh, whether it was a block or one individual, is that you did take that time to really have those individuals process what they were hearing and then come up with a plan. I think that's so important. We hear a lot of great information. There's a lot of great information and tools and resources out there. But to move it from uh, just a hypothetical to, to practical uh, is so, so important. So Greg, I thank you so much for your time today, for this conversation, for your insight, the work that you're doing. If anyone has any questions about Leadership Network or looking to get in contact with, with you, uh, what's the best way to, to get connected with what Leadership is net, Network is doing, especially for multi-site churches? Sure, you bet. Um, well, you can go to our website. Our website is leadnet, L-E-A-D, net.org and you can find my contact information there if you want to reach out to me via email 
Um, I think actually my cell phone's on there too. So if you'll reach out to me, however you get when you get hold of me, uh, you can. Also, if you'll when you go to the page, you'll see some information about our programming. One of the things that we're doing particularly related to multi-site is our multi-site accelerator. Um, it's where we have groups of 12 churches that are uh, gathering over the course of the year and engaging with one another, but also engaging with some great corporate kind of environments to learn yeah. from organizations like Marriott and Google and Fiat Chrysler and Walmart, um, which are also very large, you know, multi-unit kind of organizations learning from them. How do we do leadership development? How do we build culture? Um, those kinds of things. So that's one of the, one of the key programs we're doing in, with terms of multi-site currently um, in the coming year, we're going to be establishing, we've launched a new area that we're calling master classes. Okay. Um, and we've got, we've launched a couple of them already, one on accelerating generosity, another on developing female leaders. And we'll be launching uh, some resources in the multi-site space um, over the next 12 months as well. We love, we love that. And I appreciate you doing that. And I think I'll sign Kim and I up for any, uh, any conversations that need to have about student ministries. We're, we're, we're passionate about, uh, about resourcing the church. And, um, and as a, as a church who's gone through the multi-site accelerator, uh, both from being a participant and hosting it, it's been such a value to our leadership and to us to be able to spend that time intentionally hearing from organizations that do it well, and then take away some practical things to bring back uh, and to grow as a church so that the gospel can go forth all the more. And so, um, Greg, thank you again so much for, for the time. Everyone, thank you guys so much for listening and continuing to uh, support the podcast. If you've heard anything here that uh, has uh, you have any more questions about, then feel free to contact us. We love chatting with you guys. Um, or if you've been encouraged at all, please go ahead and share this with somebody who, uh, who would do the same for. And so thank you guys so much for your time. Until next time. Thank you guys for tuning in. And do not forget, there is still time for you to sign up for the Multi-Site Youth Ministry Conference happening January 13th through 15th down in Woodlands Camp in Georgia. Go to theyouthcartel.com to get all the information, to check out the pricing, and to hear and read from others who are going to be bringing their entire team on down to the conference. It's going to be an amazing opportunity for us to spend time in community, to encourage one another, and to learn from one another, and to learn from others who are experts in the field of youth ministry and multi-site ministry. We're looking forward to seeing you guys in January. Thanks again.